Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Folks, my friend Andre, ladies and gentlemen, we are now living in a new world where it's electrified van life. And that is going to be one of our topics. E-van life? E-van life or EV life. (laughs) EV van life. We could probably make it spell out evil, which I'm sure some people would love to. Okay. (laughs) Yes. Uh, But so where this show is coming from, this show of TFL Talking Trucks. Right. Podcast. Um, is where I just spent a few days with the new 2022 Ford E-Transit. This is our first experience with an electrified uh, full-size van. Yes. Um, All electric. It's not a hybrid. Nope. Uh, Battery-powered and and electric motor-powered. And so I wanted to share that experience because I learned a lot. Now, the E-Transit is an amazing vehicle from my perspective because – it uses a lot of the components from the regular transit. It actually uses basically the same frame, uh, the same rear axle, I believe the same front end, essentially. What the big difference is, is that it has an electric motor and it has a battery sandwiched in the frame. And yet it's still a full, a proper van, not one that's built for regular civilians to be driving every day. Not yet. This is really built to be driven in a city, basically, as a delivery Uh, As a a working van. Exactly. um, Of course, this topic is very controversial. We all know this, right? Yeah, of course. Uh, We we listen to you guys. We read your comments. We are involved in all the kinds kinds of forums. Mm -hmm. Um, Controversial. But I think, and this is also my belief, is that um, delivery services, this is what this van is built for. Yep. Delivery service, um, other types of uh, vocations. Mm Mm-hmm. Electricians, bread delivery. Morticians, too. Oh, morticians. Well, think about it. Nice and quiet vehicle on your final drive. Yes. Yeah. Uh, See? And also plumbers. Okay. That... Uh, so so <laughs> yeah. uh, any, any type of job where uh, you're localized to a city mm-hmm. or a smaller area, and you're actually driving your vehicle from here to there, mm-hmm. and electric motors do and batteries do really well in traffic. They do because regenerative braking. They're able to actually yeah. keep, you know extend their range. And I've seen these vehicles, proof of concept, for years now overseas in large cities like Beijing or in Paris, where they've actually proven to be effective vehicles for businesses, for delivering, for for work. But there are other sides to it. We're not going to go into the whole controversy about gas versus electric. We're just going to be talking about the product, which is what we always do. We don't really like delving into the politics. So this vehicle is one that Andre finally got to drive. Now, by the way, he... We should mention that we were lucky enough to have a friend of TFL's get us this van. Yes. So we can explain that. Yes. Uh, and before we explain that, let's thank our supporters. Yes. Patreon. Guys, thank you so much for your support. Yeah. Patreon.com slash TFLcar is where you can support us. Uh, it's a great way to speak with us because we usually read comments or questions on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Recently, Joe Pasqualini and Alex Bennett um, and Ron Barry actually thanked us uh, for some, some of the stuff we addressed on this show. Mm. 
we don't have any new questions right now. No, but actually, I did get a question for you. Yes. It was actually, it was written to me, but okay. it was for okay. you. I forgot okay. to forward it to you. Okay. <laughs> but people wanted to know if you were thinking about electrifying your Bahanka. Ooh, wow. Yes. Um, That's so, an interesting question, considering we just went through all that with the uh, the Ford F100 or, or E100. Yeah, the Chargezilla project. Chargezilla, yeah. So, yes. So here's... It's van life. My it Bohanka is. is a van. That's why I wanted to throw this yeah, at you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so here's the thing. Uh, currently, my van, and a lot of you actually wanted to see more of it. Mm -hmm. And I'm sorry, I, I put it away because I was really, really upset with you know, the war situation overseas between right. Russia and Ukraine. And um, it really upset me because that vehicle kind of is, kind of represents some of that as well. It does. It, yeah, I can um, see that. So I was upset by that, but I still have the van. It still runs. I mm. fired it up just a few days ago and it came to life. I was afraid, you know, maybe the battery might be getting low or the fuel is getting stale. It's just not a six volt or, or anything like that, right? It's a regular battery in this thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. uh, tw 12 volt system. Okay. So it's pretty modern by... Oh. by most standards. <laughs> uh, yeah. So it, it, it's a van I imported from Russia right. um, a year and a half ago. So, yeah, but, you know, uh, I'm still having trouble, you know, getting it registered past emissions, yada, yada, yada. So it's not easy, right? Right. Um, I can – so it does have cats. It has catalytic converters. Which is really surprising. Which is really surprising. It's yeah. a 1992, mm -hmm. but, you know, it has long history and it's still being built – in this shape today. I mean, it basically so, goes back 40 years on that design, right? Or maybe even more. Or even more. Yeah, yeah it's crazy. So it, it's the same design. And the factory is still cranking them out today. Yeah. The, the, the same look. The powertrains are a little bit more advanced now. They might be feeling infected or whatever. Well, yeah. Here's the thing. It's still quite expensive to EV convert stuff. Yeah. Yes. So the Tesla components and the premium components we used on the Chargezilla project were close to $40,000. Mm -hmm. So... Obviously, I wouldn't be able to do that on my own budget. Right. Maybe I could do like a Nissan battery conversion, like a Leaf system. You are not touching my Nissan Leaf. Can I take My daughter will kill us both. She loves that car. But but I could use legacy EVs kits um, yeah. for that um, you at the lower price. Yeah, and you really wouldn't need that much power. I mean, what's your torque output now, roughly? Oh, gosh. It's like 140 yeah, so you would actually so, gain torque by getting the uh, uh, Nissan Leaf. Uh, yeah, it's like motor. 90 horsepower. We're talking about like 90 horsepower. Yeah, so you would actually gain power and everything else, although you would get weighed down by a battery. And yeah. the thing is, it's not exactly lightweight for a small van. It's Yeah, it's okay. But, uh, I mean, it has saddle tanks, so it has two gasoline tanks, one on each side. Mm -hmm. So those spaces could be taken by, by batteries, potentially. Right. Anyway, so I'm not electrifying my van yet. Okay. Maybe in several years from now. So that answers uh, your question. You're welcome, Andrews. Not, not yet. That's but I, I promise you will see it again in a few months, maybe at the ranch, uh, off-roading, or doing something else. So, it, has, it really needs to be you know, yeah. stretch its legs. Yeah, it needs to stretch its legs. So that's kind of an interlude. Yes. So Thank let's you. go back to uh, electric vans. Yeah. So uh, we have to explain. So um, our friend Eric and also Columbine Ford is a dealership in Rifle, Colorado. Mm -hmm. um, it's family-owned. So I was able to get the Transit on an extended loan. Uh, it was one of their demos, thanks to Columbine Ford. Uh, really great, you know, really great people there. And they have a huge service center. So right. a lot of fleet vehicles that take care of over there. Yeah, I, I, I want to be direct with you guys out there. I, I'm, I'm not uh, – sorry, I've been looking at the wrong camera the entire time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the um, Ford Motor Company did not give us any transits, and we've been asking – 
almost weekly for them. This came from a dealership. So thank you to that dealership for yeah. supplying this. And we can actually do, and we will be doing videos featuring this van. So stay tuned for that. Yeah, and it's it was important to me. Um, it was about two hundred miles away. Yeah. So I had to I had to go a ways to get it. So what's the range on these things uh, normally? So, so yeah. So here's the thing. Um, we always uh, review vehicles right within their parameters. Exactly. And um, that's what we do. So let me show you this. So I, I have a little cheat sheet here. So if you're watching us on TFL Talk channel on YouTube, great. If you're just listening to us, we'll, thank you. Yeah, thank and, you. And, and we'll go over all of this. So the maximum range on the e-transit van, which is a short roof. So right. they, they have different configurations, different roof heights, and slightly different lengths. So the smallest e-transit, and now they're into 2023 model year, uh -huh. um, is 126 miles. Okay, 126 miles. But the van we have isn't that small one. Right? It has no, it's the medium roof. So now our, the van we're testing has a range, stated range, of 116 miles. 116 miles, right? Yes. Okay. Now, I just want you guys to keep that in mind because this is, gets kind of interesting when he, t when he does his little range thing. Yes, but uh, these ratings come with some payload so mm -hmm. this this is you know what ford communicates also mm -hmm. also by the way they don't have to rate these vans no because the they're, they're because they're uh, they're heavier vehicles yeah they're heavy duty vehicles, vehicles are not uh, do not are so, not required to be rated so their gross vehicle weight rating on, on some of these guys are over nine thousand pounds right so if it's over eighty five hundred pounds technically they're not you know three-quarter ton trucks yes and heavy duty trucks are not rated so at least we have the ratings. Plus, they, uh, Ford says that most of their business owners that use them for work drive about 74 miles a day. Okay. And once again, that's based on… You know, on their data. Right, on from, the data from, that from, they extrapolated. Gotcha. But I, get, I got way more range out of it. That's what I'm… Yeah, this is what I want everybody to hear. So yeah. go ahead. Uh, tell yeah. us what happened. So, so I went to Rifle, Colorado, which is about 200 miles away mm -hmm. uh, from our our headquarters here in Boulder, right. in Boulder, Colorado. And um, so I was very excited. I said, you know, thank you to the guys at Columbine Ford. Um, I jumped in the van. It was fully charged. You know, they got me all squared away. And I started driving. And I said in that video, which we published recently, mm -hmm. uh, I said, this is not what this van was built for. <laughs> Yeah, long distance travel is exactly the opposite of what it was built for. Right, 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 exactly. It was delivery, local deliveries. Exactly. But I said, you know, here, here I am in the mountains. I need to get it back. So let's find out. Let's do a little bit of e-van life. Okay. Now, right? for, can I? I need to uh, clue sure. people into. So, uh, Rifle Colorado is over the mountains from here. So, in order to get there, you have to go over the Rockies. And that is the biggest difficulty for most vehicles that are electric because you're talking about highway. They don't like highway. And climbing. They don't like climbing. It's not that they can't. It's a question of range. You will lose miles quickly going uphill and being on a highway. I wanted to throw that out there real quick. Yeah, but you know what electric vehicles love? Downhill. Going downhill. <laughs> right. Yes, which is also a lot of this was downhill as well. Although some will stop doing regenerative power after a while. Yeah. Some of them, like we experienced that once with a Rivian. That's right. Truck, yeah. Where we were towing a trailer and mm -hmm. it said, 
at the end of the downhill towards Denver, it said, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Well, what it basically was saying is that I'm not using the regenerative system As anymore. Much. Yeah. 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 I, maybe it heated up too much. We really don't know for sure. Yeah. But they don't have a temperature gauge in the, um, the Rivian truck. Yeah. So we don't know how. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, but... Uh, the beautiful thing, and I also want to compare the e-transit to the other electrified solutions that other manufacturers have, right? Right, right. right. So we have a, a little bit of that lined up as well in this show. Uh, but I was able to get, when I got back to actually Thornton, mm-hmm. which is near Boulder, yeah. uh, after about 200 miles, I got 2.4 miles per kilowatt hour. So if I do a quick calculation, the e-transit has a 68 kilowatt hour battery. Right. 68 times 2.4 equals 163 mile range. That is incredible. That's better That's than the small van's range by a huge by a margin. By huge margin, by about 45 miles or now, more. Now, what do you attribute to this? So, a couple of things. First of all, uh, these ratings are done, I believe, with some payload. Okay, so that makes sense. And actually, they do this with the Lightning, too. Mm-hmm. They, have, they add a little bit of payload to the Lightning for the EPA cycle, right? Mm, right. So, so they add that, too. So so that's wonderful, because you always want to under-promise and over-deliver. That is true. I wasn't carrying any payload. That, it's just you. Yeah, just me. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I'm not that heavy. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> it, 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 the truck won't even notice you. So that's the first thing. Yeah. And what else? And also downhill helped. Right. So I did have to do veil pass, like mm. you mentioned. I did have to do eye gauntlet. I did have to go over the Eisenhower Tunnel pass. Right. Um, so those are high elevation passes over 11,000 feet of sea, uh, above sea level. Mm-hmm. Uh, but from Eisenhower Tunnel all the way down to Denver, it's about 44 miles of downhill driving. Right. That's there's there's like one or two spots where it goes yeah, up a little bit. Yeah, you have to go up and like but Floyd it, Hill. But it's it's not much. Yeah, so um, so I, I I'm dying to hear how this thing performed too so, on the highway. So you might say, oh, your test was skewed by the mountains or whatever. Yeah, but you had to still go up them too. Yes, yes. Yeah. So the 2.4 was one of my uh, things. And by the way, it has four corner a coil sprung suspension because the rear cradle. Uh, houses the electric motor, so it's rear-wheel drive. Mm-hmm. You know what? You know what else? It has some a weird feature. Uh, one of the features of the um, Transit is that it has a spare tire in the front, in the front, yeah. underneath the front. That's really cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, actually, it's, it, that is surprising to me. I thought that it was in the back, but the back is kind of taken it- out out. By the electric motor, that space is a little bit right, busy. Right, and that looks like an independent rear suspension. Actually, it looks very similar to the one that's underneath the Lightning. Yeah, in a way, I think it's it's quite similar. They might share some components. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's quite similar. And it has 266 horsepower, basically almost half of the, what Lightning does. Yeah. So, so imagine it's like half a Lightning, right? The rear section... You know, motor and some of the components, not all of them, mm-hmm. but some of the components are similar to the uh, pickup truck that's that Ford has. Yeah. And then, of course, the batteries are in the middle, like you said. Right, which actually, I mean, between the fact that you have a four-wheel independent suspension as opposed to a solid rear axle and that you have that battery underneath you means that you have a lower center of gravity and, I believe, better handling or the potential for it. Yeah, and, of course, this is not a sports car, no. right? Uh, but 
It's quite comfortable, actually. Really? Yeah. I mean, for uh, yeah. delivery. And it was unladen, by the way. You know, all commercial vehicles drive better with loads. Yeah, of right? course. They're built so, because they're built for that, right? Yeah, exactly. And this has 3,400 pounds of payload. Okay. 3,400 pounds. Which is the equivalent of a heavy-duty pickup truck. This is like almost one-ton territory. Yeah. I mean, it's approaching that. I mean, yes, some gasoline-powered uh, three-quarter-ton trucks have the same payload ratings. Right. But most diesel uh, three-quarter-ton trucks like our Ram 2500, mm -hmm. have lower payload ratings than this. Right, right. So it's quite a capable machine, actually. Um, so oh, you said it was comfortable and it, it handled well for, for a big van. Yeah. Um, and so, so keep going. Yeah, so the interior, I want to talk about it. because, yeah. And also the cargo area of mm -hmm. this thing. Um, it was very important. And other manufacturers are following suit to keep the interior as unchanged as possible. Gotcha. Right? Because there are upfitters who built out shelvings and other storage com uh, compartments in the back of the van, right? Right. That uh, makes sense. And then on top of that, it also is good for Ford's overhead because they can use more components that they used on their regular van. Yeah. For example, the windshield, the doors, the everything. You Pretty know, much the, the entire body. The entire body of the van is the same. Right. And the interior has the same dimensions. So if you want to put your shelving in there or if you carry some you know, electrical components in there, you can do all that stuff. Gotcha. So, uh, the interior has been updated, refreshed, so it's kind of a large screen in the center. Uh -huh. uh, and, you know, the, 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 what I appreciate it the most, it has a empty to full needle gauge. But instead of fuel, it now shows electric. Uh. So it has like a physical gauge, but it shows the state of the battery. Shows the state of the battery, but then is there a digital readout showing you how what your percentage is? And yeah, how you but are? you have to dig in the screen again. Okay, so, so it that's it not great. Okay. You know how in the Lightning you have to click several menus? Which really drives me nuts, yeah. to be honest with you. And it has something the Lightning doesn't have. It has e economy mode, hmm. which kind of you know remaps the pedal. So it's like you have to push further to accelerate, so it kind of numbs down the pedal, um, which I was using. Is it like one pedal driving? Uh, uh, no. It's just kind of like an eco mode in a regular car. Okay. You know how it kind of makes the whole system a little bit more So in order to accelerate, it, you, you really have to add a lot yeah. more foot. But it's really meant for efficiency, right? Right, right, of course. So I was using uh, that mode uh, my entire trip. Uh -huh. But then I, I thought to myself, well, Andre, this is not the use case for this van. Mm -hmm. you know? So I drove around town uh, several times. So I took the van from my house to work, which is about 25 miles, and... Look at, look at what it showed. So I drove about 23 miles in 36 minutes and 50 seconds and got 2.7 miles per kilowatt hour. What is the Ford Lightning's best average for their kilowatt hour mileage? So it's I've seen something just over two. Yeah. So the Lightning is heavier than this van. It's, got, of course, all-wheel drive. This van is not all-wheel right. drive. It um, and actually, so two point seven. Let's calculate now. That's really and this good. is city. This yeah. is more, well, partially city, but you know where I live. Yeah. So, so there's some highways. There's there's high. It's it's a pretty good mix of city and highway. There's some stop and go, but it's not like going through the center of Denver or something like that. Hundred and eighty three miles. So if you take two point seven times the size of the battery, it's about one hundred and eighty three miles of range. Wow. So I know what you're saying, Andre. Two problems, right? That still may not be enough for some people. Mm. That's true. And also, it takes time to charge. Yes, on both accounts. Yes. But we've also done a charging test. 
Okay. So uh, we also have that on our channels. By the way, OTFL.com is where you can Easiest find Easiest way to find it. Uh, where you can find everything we do. So it, it can charge not quite as quickly as the Lightning, but it has a much smaller battery. Right, of course. So within about 40 minutes, half an hour, you can get the majority of that battery from about like 15% to 80% in about 30 to 40 minutes or overnight. It's an interesting point about that. And a lot of people tend to forget that usually when you're pulling in to charge your battery, uh, be it at home base, home, or even at a charger, most people are not completely at zero. In fact, it's a huge percentage of them are between 15 and 20%. And so being able to charge X amount within X amount of time, up to 80%, that is a good measure of time. So essentially, I mean, the Fortran is already showing to be pretty impressive. I'm impressed with the mileage, and it makes sense, though, that that will drop significantly once you start putting real loads in there. And that's what we need to do next. Yeah, so uh, we'll, there's more testing to be done. Yes. Um, so I want to load it up at least 1,500 pounds, mm -hmm. maybe more. Because mm -hmm. you know what I can do? I can put Tommy's Mini inside of it. Yeah. Potentially. One, one of his five Minis, right? That he one has? of his five Minis. Yeah. Um, the small one. So... That would be really awesome, but he'll say no. <laughs> well, also, the, I don't know if the width is enough inside. The, oh, it's inside fine. The that mini, that mini is. I'm wider than that mini. Are you kidding me? Well, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, we, we also have a tractor, a miniature tractor that that might be an idea. And that's pretty. That's hey, pretty heavy. Lawn maintenance. Yeah. Right. Bring a tractor to a remote location. Uh, and it'll, and, and before we move on, it's interesting because uh, we did briefly discuss some of this stuff. And one of the voices of dissent was saying um, that load will not affect range. There's one person who thought that. I disagree, and I think Andre might as well. I, I'm pretty sure load does affect range. Um, but this is a great way to find out because this is exactly what this vehicle was built for. It was not built to tow. In fact, it doesn't even have a tow hitch. Right. It was built to haul fairly heavy items around town. So hopefully we'll be able to do a test like that very soon. Exactly. And that's uh, exactly what it's for. So is it for everybody? No. Please no. don't write the comments and saying, you know, I can't I, make an RV out of that. Well, so, yeah. so it's not truly e-van life. So what is van life, right? It's camping. Uh, that's, that's the other side of vans, right? Mm -hmm. It's camping. It's adventuring. It's going to Moab. It's going to a remote location. Actually, you can do all that with this. It's just have to charge a lot and you have to plan for it mm -hmm. right that is correct and then yes in theory you could charge it with solar power it would probably take about a week uh but if you're at a campsite for a week and you have solar panels who knows maybe this could work out for you who knows yeah yeah so uh, okay here we go yeah and it has a lot of really good numbers like i was saying yeah you know, the payload is really good comparable to a regular transit and and by the way i looked up the numbers uh since they started selling this year in 2022 uh ford sold over 3,900 e-transits. That's really good. This year. Yeah. Almost 4,000. Um, because I haven't heard of anybody. Th okay. That's a segue to uh, other manufacturers. Mm -hmm. So you've, of course, heard about Rivian van, you know, for Amazon, right? Haven't uh, seen one yet in person. No, me neither. Yeah. So uh, the rumor has it that they've sold, like, dozens of them. Mm-hmm. You know, several, un, like maybe under 100. We don't have all the data yet because they don't report quite as quickly. Mm -hmm. But compared to Ford, who sold almost 4,000 electric vans already in the country. So I think Ford is using their might. Once again, their manufacturing might. Just like what they did with the Lightning. Yeah. And they're starting to pump them out and actually starting um, to, to deliver them and sell them. 
I believe, now I'm not 100% sure, and if you guys know, please let us know in the comments below, but I believe Amazon is still beta testing these vans, and which is one of the reasons why, perhaps, why we're not seeing so many. And I think they're in the, like in the Bay Area and some mm -hmm. other markets, which they makes, already exist. Yeah, yeah. but it's, it's, you know, it's, they're ramping up to full production. That's, that's what I've heard. I don't know if that's 100%. Yeah. Ah, okay, so, so Sprinter. Yeah, so Mercedes-Benz is in this in this fray. I mean, they also so Transit in the U.S. is has been leading on sales for for the last well, Ford will tell you decades. Yes, but yes, and we have data. You know, the Transit van, the E-series vans, remember, were huge sellers. Yes, they were. Uh, Mercedes, of course, is another big player. Yeah. We'll talk about GM in a second um, and others. Uh, Mercedes has the E-Sprinter, uh, but still not. They just announced a partnership with Rivian. Which is interesting in itself. So, But I don't think they're selling in bulk or, if at all, delivering in the U.S. They have vans in Europe yeah. that they're delivering. Actually, uh, right now, Mercedes is sucking a little bit of wind in the United States because they just had to discontinue their metrics. That is going. That will no longer be on sale as of the end of this year, I believe. So they're not doing that great here. So the idea of them building and producing... The, their electric version of their Sprinter here is hard to fully swallow. But, hey, you know, I mean, eventually they're probably going to have to do something, right? I mean, yeah, but big uh, metropolitan areas, right? Yeah. Around the world and around uh, U.S., of course. I think that's that's where these electrified vans will... Well, that's where they will, are performing right now, yeah, too. Yeah, and, and that's where they will be useful, mm -hmm. the most useful, because right. short distances, also noise pollution, they don't create a lot of noise, right. know, a little bit, right? The electric motor does have a little bit of a whine, but it's very low. Um, so they're not loud. And in closed areas, like between buildings, there is no exhaust that's continuously uh, being expelled. Yeah. That, that, and bear in mind that there's an awful lot of European cities that have a variety of tunnels and narrow streets, narrow all streets everything that, you know, having an internal combustion engine might not be as ideal for. But... They've also been doing electric vans a lot longer uh, in terms of practical application with them, yes. uh, especially Asia, but and Europe as well. Yeah. So, yes. And Stellantis has been there, Fiat. Exactly. So, Educato, e which is what we know as ProMaster, right. have been in Europe already, has been selling. So, and it's coming to the U.S. in 2023. Uh, that's what Ram said. The ProMaster right. electric is coming. Uh, still not quite yet. The Mercedes... E-Sprinter is also not quiet yet, and their partnership with Rivian is focused on long-term, like 2025 and beyond, where they want to share some manufacturing components and some something like this. Well, Rivian has proven that they can build a strong and efficient powertrain. So perhaps that's something that And pretty saying. solid vehicles, actually. Yeah, I mean, so yeah. far, so good, yeah. right? Knock on wood. So we'll see what happens. And of course, uh, uh, GM is here, too. Yes, they have something called Bright Drop, Bright which, Drop, which is a separate company that they uh, created. And I believe they're partnering with organizations like FedEx and other delivery organizations in Europe, and then eventually here. And Bright Drop will be or is building this van, which is completely independent of a van that is currently built. So unlike those other vans, this one is actually based on, I believe, a skateboard platform. Yeah, and they call it the OTM chassis. Yep. Uh, kind of the same principle or concept as the Hummer EV. 
and some other vehicles, but of course it's modified. Yeah, exactly. But this is their, their standardized platform that has been stretched out for a van. This is probably the largest application I've seen so far for it. Or at least the longest, for sure. Yeah, the longest at the yeah. very least. Um, yeah. And this van is built for delivery, and we've had some numbers on it, but they were, they were estimates, I believe, right? Yeah, so, and once again, FedEx communicated that they received a first batch of these you right. know, for testing, and uh, they're using them already in some markets. Right. So, But not as huge as numbers like I want to point out that okay. Ford is doing. Uh, but uh, GM took a totally different approach, similar to Rivian, mm-hmm. right? They took the requirements from their customers, mm-hmm. and they kind of clean sheet design, right? They clean sheeted it because it, it does have a huge cargo area with tie downs and all this stuff. But the interior and the front area is fully redesigned. Actually, it, it kind of feels like a Silverado. I sat in the bright drop. Oh, did you? You know, it has kind of a summer, similar switch gear, very comfortable because, you know, a lot of these big delivery vans, they're called step vans, right? Because you have to go Actually in and out. Actually step in, right? Um, they're usually like punishment boxes. Oh, yeah. Like. I mean, the, it's a box with, you know, solid rear axle and yeah. leaf springs, and it's just not built for comfort. Yeah, no comfort for the – not much comfort, and, you know, no, like, a stereo system that's nice or pleasant for the driver, none, right. none of that. And some of them don't even have AC. Yeah, or heatings in some areas. Right. So so that was kind of the clean sheet design that GM did, and uh, they're starting to produce them and, and sell them. Yeah, I remember seeing a video. There was a promo video that uh, GM and Bright Drop put together where they were talking to various people about driving and what they liked and didn't like about driving. And one of the things, you know, I, I a long time ago, I did a little tiny bit of delivery event driving when I was much younger, and uh, I hated it. it. It really sucked. It was a big box van. It was Ford. And they, the seats were not the suspension seats. Mm-hmm. There's no air conditioning, no heating. You're right. Um, the only way you could get air was by opening the sliding door. Like, which, a, like a Jeep. Right. But you couldn't do that in California. Back then in Southern California, it was mm-hmm. illegal to do. You couldn't drive like that. So you'd have to sneak it whenever you could just to suck in some air because the windows didn't even open. These new vans that they're coming up with, and there's a variety of different ones, as we mentioned, um, are all built for driver comfort, which makes sense because less fatigue for the driver more comfort, happier driver, better success with business. I mean, yeah. it just makes sense. Yeah, totally. Right. Uh, but I think, you know, after being inside uh, the EV600, the Bright Drop GM's van, um, first of all, like I already mentioned, very comfortable interior, very roomy and spacious. But it seems like their van is actually way heavier. Has, I, I believe, similar payload capability. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's just more gigantic in, in its and its size and weight. So it's almost like a different class. You know, it the, looks a lot bigger, that's yeah, for sure. Yeah, uh, it's almost like a different class. Yeah, and it, I it would, has, yeah. Because you you have a flat floor completely. You don't have to worry about a frame. It's kind of a, its own built-in component. Yeah. So you have a very flat floor, which means a lower load in, which is positive, but that battery is it's huge and the van itself is big. This is a big van. So I can see how there's like pluses and minuses with, you know, that type of setup. And this is the cool part. We're, we're in this early stage of these electric vans. So we're able to see which one really works out better. And we'll be able to see this data hopefully in the, within a year. So I can share some other driving impressions in a bit. But what I wanted to do is I think everybody wants to know the, the price. Ah, yeah. Right? I would imagine. So the e-transit, at least for 2023 model year, which is the beginning now, 
starts at 49,575. 49,575. Obviously, that's for the smallest one. That's the lower low roof, roof, you know, lo- lower uh, length. But that gives length. you the best range. Yes. So let's take a look at what a nor- regular powered van is like. So once again, 49,575. Five, gotcha. Uh, let's look at the other vans. Here it is. No. Yeah, no. they're two. Th- oh, here. 22 trans. 46, Okay, so. So about three grand less. Right. Um, but we're also looking at the 2022 model. Ford does not have the 23 model up there. Yes. Uh, right. Yet. And there is an, uh, an important thing. I believe you can still get all-wheel drive as an option for the gas-powered e or sorry, EC, the gas-powered regular transit van. Exactly. You yeah. can't, and you cannot for the electric one. That is correct. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it could be attractive to some people, but not all, of it, course. Yeah. Uh, let me see. Let me start a build. Just I wanted to show you. So uh, we have to look at cargo, passenger van, commercial. I have to go to the commercial side. So he's good. For those of you who are not able to see what he's doing, Andre is right now on the Ford website, and he's configuring a regular transit and trying to get the configuration similar to the way the e-transit is currently configured so we can check the numbers. Um, so this is fly-by-wire oh. uh, right now. Yeah, real-time. Yep. Real-time. So I have to switch gears. So the commercial cargo version of the regular transit starts at 39970 okay. or that about is, 40 so, so that's a $10,000 so, so now that's almost 9 to $10,000 yeah, difference that's a significant difference okay so the electric one should be able to get you some uh, tax business tax advantages mm-hmm. right depending on your business so here's once again a smallest van is right around 40 grand right here okay so, so tax advantages will take care of some of the cost because you're saying, there's no way I'm going to afford a $50,000 van. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so this one is a 41. It starts around 41.6, including destination charges. Okay. Um, but there's something else that Ford talks about and other manufacturers talk about is, first of all, maintenance is way lower. Right. Way lower. No oil changes, no transmission checks. You don't have to worry about a radiator um, or anything like no that. No radiator. There is some coolant in this in the electric vehicle because the, the batteries are climate controlled. Right. But from what I remember hearing about coolant for batteries, that does not need to be changed as often as coolant for any other type of system that is built in any other type of vehicle. Yeah. It's, it's almost like based on mileage, like 100,000 miles yeah. or maybe years, like five years. It could or be exactly. Like so it's depending it's, on your use case, right? It's, it's it's not something you have to go in every three or four months for. Right. So the um, and then fuel costs. Right. Let's let's talk about that just a oh, second. Oh yeah. So uh, obviously we know you know national average is about three and a half dollars per gallon. Give right, or take. Yeah. For for gasoline, diesel is a little bit more expensive. Yes. Actually, a lot more expensive. Unfortunately, yeah, diesel what is, still has. What is going in. on with diesel, dude? Uh, man, that's a whole different conversation. Yeah. It's yeah. It's it's political. It's it, it's environmental. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And, can I just get on my uh, Go rant, ahead. rant horse? This is your show. Just just for Hit one, it. one minute. I, I've noticed the more rural areas, you know, in Colorado, like when I go east, you know, to the farming areas where a lot of diesel vehicles are king mm-hmm. because, you know, farming equipment, other diesel vehicles, the diesel price increases. Yep. It should decrease in those areas because people need that for their businesses. I agree. That's and, my, that's and my the, rant. The, 
you know, I'm going to simply say it's uh, greedy oil corporations that are just know that they can stab you. And it's a shame. But at the same time, at least overall, fuel prices have come down. And I do believe we are talking about a regular gas engine for the transit. Am I correct? Yeah. So we're not talking about diesels quite here. It's just it just got me going okay. on diesel. All right. So Sorry. going back to the transit real quick. Sorry about that. But uh, the cost, here's the cost, right? Let, let's, can I borrow your pen, by the way? All right. All right. So at home, and I did, the, I did this research. If you're for, and there's fleet management software for all these vans, right? Right. So if you're in a bigger company like FedEx, like we mentioned, or Amazon, they have departments of people sitting in headquarters locations monitoring all the fleets in real time, right? And a lot of these vehicles are now linked up, right, via internet. That, well, that's correct. Actually, I was lucky enough to uh, drive the Ford Lightning, the, um, I would like to call it the fleet version of it. The Pro. Yeah, right. And the Pro is hooked up to the same system that Ford produces. And that system, and I haven't seen it in action personally, but it, they showed a, a live version of it, essentially, worth a farm of 50 vehicles. And some of those vehicles are gas and some of them are electric. And the e-transit is part of this thing. And essentially what it does is it tells you where you're going, how much energy you've used, how much energy you should be using, where the closest charges are, the pricing of those charges, uh, where you should be going with your load. Uh, so, I mean, it takes it all into account. And it also monitors the driver themselves. Uh, so if they're going to a place, how many stops did they take in? Were they going over the speed limit, under the speed limit? I know it sounds like Big Brother, but if you own a small business and if you can monitor what these people are doing, you know, someone's being a joker and going out to a farm, you know, so they can shoot watermelons or whatever, you know, if they're rifle instead of delivering, which by the way happened to a friend of mine, um, then you're able to go, oh, okay, this guy's screwing around. I can tell. And my productivity has gone down as such. My expense expenses have gone up. This whole thing with the system that Ford has developed is will help some of that. For some of you guys out there who have a fleet and need a management, I, I cannot remember the name of that system off the top of my head. There's a specific name for uh, well, Ford. Well, yeah, but it. each company and um, so each manufacturer has their own system. Exactly. GM has one, mm -hmm. Rivian has one. Ford has one, et cetera, et cetera. Mercedes has one. And and then big, giant corporations like Amazon and FedEx. They have and, their own EPS, system. They have their own systems. And sometimes they link up. So this is a whole other world. And each one of them have their own marketing name. Of course. So whatever. So, I mean, the, we're, we're just let's leave that be. But, but it is managed, like you said, mm -hmm. um, precisely. But I want to talk about cost. And I made some notes while, while you were uh, discussing this. Okay. So I looked this up. Just a couple of days ago, mm -hmm. the national average per kilowatt hour at home is 16 cents per kilowatt hour. Okay. Um, like at your house. But you have solar, by the way. I have solar, so that yeah. it, it, so I, it blows, it can blows blow, that. Yeah, I almost, almost have a free ride. Anyway, so if you don't have solar, if you're using the grid, like most people still are, yeah. 16 cents. So to charge the e-transit completely on 16 cents at home, and a lot of people actually take their work vehicles home. Yes, and because, and that and Ford expects that. By the way, yeah, from what and they, they can said. reimburse you. Mm -hmm. It's about eleven dollars to recharge completely. Okay, eleven dollars. So so then, um, if you're at the fast charger in public, like Electrify America or another one, they can charge you between thirty-one cents per kilowatt hour, or even forty-two cents per kilowatt hour, mm -hmm. depending on your membership. 
So that's about twice that mm -hmm. at 31 cents. So that's about $22 to re recharge. And you can do that quickly. Like I said, within 30 minutes, you can get most of your battery. Right. Not all of it, but most of it. Um, and of course, in the worst case scenario, if you're at like 43 cents a kilowatt hour times 68, um, it's times 60. Oh, my calculator is breaking. Your calculator is break, uh, breaking? And yes. It's no surprise that Andre's broken a calculator. He is that impressive. <laughs> His brain works in ways that are just... Oh, I'm sorry. Go on. $30. Okay, 30 to bucks. To completely recharge in the worst case scenario. Absolute worst case scenario. Okay. Right now. Right. So... The this equivalent... is for the e-transit only. Right. Now, the regular transit has a gas tank. And as such... It holds X amount of gallons, which we're about to figure out. Let me look it up. So gas prices right now in Colorado are averaging about, because remember, we, we can run 85 here, 85 octane, which tends to be less expensive than 87 octane. As such, I'm pretty sure you can run this van on that, and I'm sure it's no big deal if you do, actually, um, if you're up here. So the last time I saw 85 octane, it was like $3.52. Uh, that was the cheapest that I found. Uh, I can't remember which station was putting that out there. But anyway, the point is, is about around $350, let us say. That's the cheapest you can get, right? Yeah. Okay, so let's figure out, what is it, a 25-gallon tank? So, so a small one is uh, 15.8, and a big one is 25. Okay. So let's do both. Yeah. So 15.8 gallons, it's the smaller version of the transit tank. Right. Times $3.50. Right? That's about 55 buckaroos. Okay. Okay. And then the big tank is a 25-gallon tank times $3.50 equals about 87 buckaroos. Okay. So you might say, all right, it's, it's like $11 in the best case for electric, electric versus $55 in best case for the, for the so gasoline. So one-fifth. About one-fifth. Okay. So... And we showed you it was $10,000 more expensive to buy the electric van. Right. So it will take some time to recoup that. Yes, but that maintenance, I, I cannot emphasize enough how much you will save on maintenance. Well, I just did maintenance on my F-150. How much did you pay? $150. Okay. And uh, At a dealership. At a dealership. All yes. right. Now, uh, you've had your truck for about a little over a year, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. How many maintenance runs have you done so far? Well, like two and a half. Okay. And in those maintenance runs, what have you I, done? I don't drive a lot. No, no, you really don't because we have our vehicles that we can drive from here. Most of us. Um, so, so every six months I go for maintenance. Let's okay. Say. Uh, what about uh, changing oil? That was the, most the of maintenance. It. Okay. That was most of it. Okay. So taking aside things like rotating tires, which electric vehicles need to do as well, in some cases even more so, by the way. Yeah, because they're heavier. They're heavier. Um, your maintenance costs that you're paying for so far has been three hundred dollars. Approximately, okay. yes. Okay, all right. Um, the maintenance costs on a vehicle like my wife's car, is an just, just as a quick example, uh, averages a, per year around $700. And this now, is an older vehicle. It's an older vehicle, but even when it was new, they did have like the first year's maintenance was covered, and I think mm -hmm. a lot of people are doing that. But it's a little different on industrial vehicles and also you know fleet vehicles. Anyway, regardless, um, an average of $700 per year is – what I looked up is if nothing actually, goes wrong. That's a, <laughs> that's yeah, if nothing yeah, goes wrong. Yeah, and we are talking about a lot of different fluids that have to be changed and and uh, some other things and all that. Spark plugs, stuff like that, which are really expensive on my wife's car. It's a mini. 
at the end of the day, my daughter's car, which is a Nissan Leaf, mm-hmm. has required zero dollars for maintenance. The only thing I've done with it in two years is I put in washer fluid and I've replaced the tires. In two years. In two years, that's all I've done. Now there are now there is um, you know, a brake uh, fluids so that you could, but so far they haven't had a bit change. And well, also you're not using brakes very often. No, you're really not if you yeah. use, especially you know the regenerative braking. But the point is, is that it is much cheaper by a huge margin to maintain, especially if you're thinking of a fleet, an electric vehicle. One of the boons for it, one of the best things about it, really sucks if you're going long distance and all that. But we're not going there right now. I'm just talking about you're talking about money and what you're saving just in terms of gas. Yes. Add to that the idea of very little maintenance, which means if you're bringing it to a maintenance bay, if you have a large fleet, the guy who's working or the gal who's working in that maintenance bay won't have as much work to do, right? And bringing those vehicles over to uh, the dealership uh, or the mechanic or whatever is something that you won't have to do as often because statistically, electric vehicles are considered more robust and more reliable. Well, electric motors are very robust. They're very simple. Yeah. Yeah. Um, compared to, you know, the modern diesel or gasoline engines. Well, I mean, you have, you know, they have complicated uh, exhaust systems. Right. Moving all parts. All this stuff. And, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's all true. And also for bigger companies, like we talked about, bigger fleets, also uptime is important. Yes. How many hours can that vehicle be functioning per day or per week or whatever it may be. Right. And that's really important for a lot of these customers too. Right. Um, and that an electric vehicle can provide that as well. Exactly. Actually, they, one of the studies they did was with Amazon and the delivery routes that these guys go on, they'll go out in the morning and they'll do a loop and they'll go, let's say, about 50 or 60 miles to do these loops, to deliver to X neighborhood. Uh, same with mail, U.S. mail, by the way. Then they can come back to base and when they do – they actually recharge while, or, or, or even switch vehicles, which is just as easy to do with an electric vehicle because it's all the same. And then, boom, they're out again after their lunch break or whatever it may be with a fully charged vehicle, and they hit their loop again. Then it charges overnight, and it's ready to go again. Yes. There is a benefit there. Yeah, totally. So, so yeah, and just going back to my experience behind the wheel, I've already driven, what, 200 plus, like 100 Almost 350 miles, my gosh. So that's a fair <laughs> amount of driving. Yeah. yeah, behind the wheel of mm-hmm. this thing. And like I said, it was um, good experience driving. By the way, turning radius on all vans is amazing uh, yeah. because they're built to go into small areas, right? right. So the turning radius is really sp- special on a van like this. Uh, comfortable drive. Like you said, low center of gravity. The mm-hmm. batteries and all the motors are very low in the chassis. Right. Um, and the only other comment I could say is... It feels normal, like the steering wheel is the same as in any other van, transit, right. um, the screen. Uh, there's little glit- little things that bothered me, like clicking three times to find the state of charge, digital st- uh, readout in the state of charge, yeah. once again. Um, their navigation system is not, I would say, up to par to where like Tesla and some others are, Okay. as far as finding chargers, planning a trip doing all those things kind of seamlessly. Is it similar to the Lightning setup? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And I've said the same thing about the Lightning as well. Yeah. Uh, not not really super ideal as far as navigation system. But a lot of these people actually use people. <laughs> a lot of these businesses use some other software for navigating, right? Be it Google or some TomTom Maps, right? Something something else. So that may not be critical for a lot of businesses. Um but overall, oh, 
also doesn't have a lot of regen braking. Yeah, you know, I was wondering about that. Yes, yeah, so when you come off the uh, accelerator pedal, it has that kind of traditional, it rolls a little bit further. Mm -hmm. um, and there's no button that says increase regen braking. There's no one pedal button. But you do have an eco mode, don't you? Yes. Uh, but as soon as you touch the brake pedal, you could see the regen gauge. And so you can kind of control it yourself as a driver. And actually going downhill from the Eisenhower Tunnel, uh, where I was in the Rocky Mountains, all the way down to Denver, um, when the vehicle like senses is going downhill, it's increasing the regen automatically. Okay. So it kind of works behind the scenes, but it's not one pedal driving. And I think that may have been on purpose because they kind of want that feeling of, you know, if you jumped out from a gasoline van the same day jumped into this van, right? The experience needs to be similar. That makes sense. I, I mean, I understand that. I, I don't necessarily fully agree with it, but I get it. Um, now, now let's talk about, there, there's a little bit of an elephant in the room aside from me. And that is, why have, why aren't these vans, any of these vans that we've been talking about, why are there no uh, plug-in hybrid versions? Because there's an awful lot of people out there who are like, why not do a plug-in hybrid? You get the best of both worlds or the worst of both worlds. And it makes a lot of sense for these vehicles. And I don't disagree with you. I actually keep finding this in my head. Why are people jumping over that step of PHEVs and going right to electric when it's PHEVs, even though it's more complex, is a proven technology? And I have one simple reply, and I'm curious if you re uh, agree with me. Mm. Wait. Yeah. I think I, I weight agree. is one of the main Especially reasons. for trucks and vans. Yes, exactly. Because payload, you know, you cannot carry as much as much weight as you otherwise would be. Yeah, because you have um, a battery and you have an engine and you have a motor and you have a gas tank. All these things add up to a much heavier vehicle. As such, it can't carry as much, so you're not doing as much in terms of your work uh, cycle. So I've been thinking about this a lot because we got a lot of questions from you about pickup trucks and plug-in hybrids. Right. right. And the more I think about it for truck space specifically – Personally, the more I'm against it, hmm. you know, I'm for it in the car, like a Prius plug-in yeah, or yeah. a RAV4 plug-in sure. or whatever. But it feels like, especially for this like a fleet use case with these vans, it'd be perfect if you had like a simple gasoline-powered van. Mm -hmm. And in the same fleet, you have an electric van. So if your job requires one use case or the other, you can pick which vehicle right. you're You can using. jump right into the gas one when you have to go over 200 miles or whatever yeah. it's going to be. Yeah. yeah. So and I think that would work better than kind of the, like you said, it could be almost the worst of both worlds in a truck Ex versus yeah. the best of both worlds. So that's where I am. Yeah. Uh, I don't know where, you know, all of the, um, you know, the development is of that. Because they won't tell us. Yeah. Like, they won't tell us if they're working on one. But wouldn't right you now. agree that they kind of skipped a step? They have. You know, it's, yes. and, and it's strange because usually if you're, if you're looking at developing something, you want to work your way up to it as opposed to jumping right to it. But uh, because of various... It does feel like that. I think yeah. it might have to do with the man mandates that they knew were coming 2030, 2035 with electrification. And I think that perhaps that's what forced these companies to kind of push right past PHEVs mm -hmm. directly into EVs. But regardless, I think if, if I, you know, your idea and mine, I think we combine the two. Sure. Those are the two reasons I would say that perhaps PHEVs aren't the best idea. So, But there is for some vehicles... Yeah, like the Jeep Grand Cherokee, PHEV, 4 by or even amazing vehicle. The Wrangler was fantastic yes. off-road, yes. and it, it proved to be a lot more efficient. Yeah. Just so really, really heavy. 
Yeah, so there are some use cases where that still works, I think. Yeah, the, yeah exactly. Um, but may not work specifically. When it comes one. to this type of thing. Okay. Yeah. So uh, we should probably uh, wrap it up soon, but did yeah. you have anything else to add? Um, we did briefly mention that uh, Mercedes-Benz and Rivian are getting together um, to produce... But, but they wanted people to know that they're not producing the same rebadged version of the same thing for both companies. They're right. not... They're actually working to produce their own versions of their own vans, except collaborating on some bigger scale in different markets. Yeah. It almost sounds like what General Motors is doing with Honda. Kind it, of, yeah. yeah. Where they're sharing components, but not designs. Not the, not the full design. Not the full right. designs, right. yes. So they're doing that. Um, that's recent news. Uh, and, of course, GM is kind of doing their own thing. Uh, Stellantis is doing their own thing as well with their um, ProMaster as well. Right, and you're going to be seeing a story, speaking of the ProMaster, where, um, uh, what, what's the name of the company? Uh, the, the, the Motor Homes, the... Um, oh, Winnebago? No. No, Air, Airstream. Airstream. Yeah, Airstream uh, recently revealed a new vehicle. You're going to see that. You can go to alltfl.com or to tfltruck.com. That story's coming out, and I'm curious to see whether or not they decide to adopt whatever the electrified version of the ProMaster is in the future, because we're hearing left, right, and center that... Almost every motorhome manufacturer is experimenting with electrification, and we've seen a few mm -hmm. kind of prototypes out there running around, um, and even trailers that are electrified. I swear to God, that stuff's out there as That's well. That's coming, yes. Yes. So we're going to see this stuff, whether we like it or not. It's coming. So it's, it's our job to report about it and talk to you guys about the pros and cons, and we're going to see a lot more of that in the near future, so stay tuned for that. Yes, and thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week. Uh, a lot is happening this week and oh next my God. week because Detroit Auto Show is just wrapping up. Uh, right. Tommy and Zach and the rest of the team have been working really hard oh, yeah. uh, there. And we have, of course, many different events, including SEMA in about a month or That's a little right. bit more than a month. And I believe we're going to try to hit the uh, Texas. Um, yes, the State Fair of State Texas. State Fair of Texas, which has a lot of truck stuff as well. Yep. So stay tuned for that. All right, guys. Take care. Have a great week. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.